0: try to like see something and then if I find it to be like something that I can see in the long term I'll go Mm -hmm. after it because I think that life is too short to be afraid and life is too short to not go after things that you want and if you don't try how do you know you're going to fail? And I mean, my coach used to tell me fail is first attempt in learning. So you have to fail to get better. Oh, I'm just, this is my TED talk. (laughs) You have to get better. So, you know, if that's what somebody needs to hear today, I mean, it's true. You have to really try. And that's why I tried on this channel. And this is why you tried with your company.
1: Welcome to the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast. My name is Mark Burrick, and if you are here, you are most likely interested in some way in getting better at beach volleyball or volleyball in general, whether you're a player or a coach. If you guys want to get a hold of my 36 favorite beach volleyball drills, all you have to go is go under the show notes before or after this and you can download them you just click in fill in a form i'll send you my 36 favorite drills uh however whenever you want to go and download them uh they're my gift to you and then that'll put you on our email list and then we send you everything that we do and you are actually set up to get four years of free lessons into your inbox if you ever wanted to do that. So if you want free beach volleyball advice for coaches and players, you're more than welcome to go in and click below. So you know our fall and winter camps for 2023, 2022 and 2023 are now on sale. So if you want to join us in St. Petersburg Beach, Florida, for seven days of training and playing and meeting other volleyball players with built in friends, as well as hanging out with some pro players. You're more than welcome to join that. Go ahead to betteratbeach.com forward slash camps. Now, on to today's show. Our guest today, I've, I've secretly been following her for, I want to say, four years now. Uh, she is really, she's a volleyball influencer. She has an amazing YouTube channel. Uh, She is growing all of her social media. She's incredibly talented. She connects really well. And when I look at all of the comments and everything that she's doing, I see that she really connects with her audiences and teaches everybody volleyball. So i i'm excited to learn from her about how to grow an audience, how to grow a business and uh, as well as chat some volleyball. So please everybody, huge round of applause. Please welcome coach Coco. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm giving the applause for you. That was a beautiful intro.
1: Great. Thank you. I feel
0: really welcome. Thank you.
1: There are thousands of others ready, ready uh, in the wings, applauding and cheering. They just can't, you know, we turn their audio off.
0: (laughs) That's okay. I'm excited about a podcast because this is actually my second podcast and I like to talk. So it's really fun to talk to somebody who's so passionate about volleyball because you have to understand some some people don't get it, you know.
1: Some people don't get it.
0: I don't get it. But when you find your people, it's really good to talk about it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> Me and uh Brandon who is one of the partners in the company, he whenever we go out to like a big volleyball tournament, we see how many people are there. And then at our camps as well, like we start our training at eight thirty. Some people are out there at seven getting private lessons. And Ooh. we wake up, you know, bags under our eyes, desperately trying to reach for a coffee, and we look at each other, we go, People love volleyball. They do. <laughs>
0: they do and then you have to remember that when people are training for like the first time that's their first time interacting with you and you have to make that experience amazing like if you were a kid going to disney those actors better be on point if that's you're there for the first time so i think about it like that Mm. every eye is the first time they're meeting you and that's their first impression so it has to be important
1: one hundred percent you know it's People don't realize, I think something that that you and I might both realize is whatever sort of clout you've built up, you know, whatever audience you've built up, like you've got 202,000 subscribers on YouTube, Yay! which is insane. I know. It, but when somebody just comes to your channel and sees one video for the first time, you can't act like somebody who's got 200,000 followers and that this new person is somehow beneath you or anything like your reputation to somebody meeting you for the first time doesn't mean anything to them. It's how you make that person feel and how you interact with them or show them. And I think your channel does a really good job of welcoming new people and saying like, hey, you know, this is me. This is who I am. Now we're going to teach you something.
0: Right. I like to keep it... I want to be direct, but at the same time, remember that it costs $0 to be a good person. Mm. And I try to be kind every single step of the way, because I was a beginner once. You were a beginner once. All of those elite players were beginners once. And we have to remember that when we were a little beginner, stepping on the court the first time, we didn't want somebody to go serve that ball jump. We wanted somebody to say, let me show you something. Let me show you what I know.
1: Right. Is that... Is that why you started? You know, the reason we started, we saw a huge lack in beach volleyball coaching for adults. Like there was nowhere to go to learn it. There were a lot of juniors coaches out there, but nowhere that you could search and find just high quality, easy, accessible information. So... It's why we kind of started ours, but what was the impetus that made you start posting on on YouTube at the very least?
0: I think for me, there was a lot of different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons was I started playing volleyball really late, late by volleyball standards. So I wasn't one of those children who was passing a ball at three or in middle school, uh, junior camps in seventh grade. I started playing in 10th grade. I'm talking nothing, zero, zero experience. And I remember feeling like there was this huge gap between me and the other players mm. because they had been playing for so many years. And I was just this athletic girl who could bench like nobody's business <laughs> and who could serve a volleyball over the net. I tell, I'm telling you, I hit the ball the first time and it hit the back wall. And I think the coach said,
1: we can work okay. with that.
0: <laughs> okay. We're go- We're going to work on it. So I think I started my channel to bridge that gap because I didn't want any players to feel the way that I did. I didn't Mm. feel like there was that accessible knowledge from somebody literally going on the school website and saying, I want to play volleyball to making the team.
1: I like that. Yeah, you know, it's weird that we always – kind of create things that come out of a little bit of past pain. Right. You know, for me, it was like, man, where do I find a coach out in California? Like I'm in California. Now, shouldn't there be coaches waving flags that they are coaches? And they're definitely we're not people saying, here, come here. I will help you learn how to play volleyball at an elite level. There needs to be a couple people raising their hands and saying, I'm here to help you. <laughs> right. And and standing right. out.
0: And it's difficult to find places to look. I mean, there are a lot of talented coaches out there. They really are. But you have to know where to find them.
1: Right. Now you played in high school, right? And then you I went did. on and you played club in college.
0: I did. Great experience.
1: Nice. And where'd you play club in college?
0: I went to UNC Charlotte. So I played club for four years. And then I went and transitioned from club to open level adult volleyball. Mm-hmm. And that had, I'm still in that scene now. And it's been a lot of fun. I think I learned some really crazy stuff in open level adult volleyball that I didn't know in club. Mm. And it's just a little bit more flexible in a way. And I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a lot more social, if that makes sense.
1: Was there anything that you learned playing club or in high school that you had to unlearn later on? Like when you're playing open, was there something that you that you were taught by a few coaches? And then as you progressed through your through your talent and your skill, you're like, actually, that's not what we should be doing. Okay,
0: I'm gonna give you an analogy because I do these a lot on my channel, okay? It's like when you're learning high school Spanish, you're learning from the textbook and then you go out and you try to speak Spanish and they're like, oh, no, this is not how we do this here. So this is the same feeling that I had then. I was volleyball in in high school and college and club. It is very perceived in Mm. a way there's a certain way things will work there's a certain way you're going to learn your serve there's a certain way you're going to learn your attack and then when you go to like open level or maybe beach or grass you start to become more one with yourself Mm. and you're still using that foundation but now you're adding on the dynamics of your own body in a way so i think i hit differently now than i did then
1: i mean i hope so like to a
0: better result right so
1: You hope that everybody, they used to tell me in college, they would say like, hey, you're just at the beginning right now. You don't understand that in the next six, 10 years, you're going to become a much better player than you are in college. And being a 29-year-old cocky kid, you're going, no, this is, I'm at my athletic peak. Like this is as high as it gets. And then now I look at myself in college and I would absolutely wipe the floor with me. You know, it wouldn't, it would be an embarrassment.
0: (laughs) Let me ask you, if you could play one-on-one with your college self, mm. how would that match go?
1: Oh, I'd crush them. It See, would... then
0: there's growth.
1: <laughs> I would crush them. There's
0: growth.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So you said that there were some different techniques that you've learned now that mm-hmm. uh, you didn't necessarily or were too sticky for you, I guess, uh, in high school and college. What were they?
0: I was a middle blocker. She is now retired. Okay. <laughs> I consider myself an outside hitter now, but I was a middle blocker. So my main priority, as we all know, was blocking the ball. Mm. But my passion was to attack the ball. I dreamed of hitting 10-foot line. I was like, give me the opportunity. Give me the quick. The quick never came. So I just kept blocking. And then when I started to transition out of club into adult, I started hitting the ball on a men's net, and the skies opened up for me. I was like, oh! This is, this is what I've been meaning to do the whole time. And that's why I teach on my channel. It's important to try different skills to find one that you connect with so you can build that longevity. I don't want anybody to be playing the libero if they're not passionate about being the libero or the setter and they're not passionate about being the setter. Your experience is up to you to a certain degree and you have to take some advocacy with that.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's, I mean... First of all, you have to be able to play different positions, right? You do. This is is indoor and this is beach. Like you can't get stuck as a a blocker and say, I'm only a blocker. Or you can't sit there and and put on a pouty face when you have to play another position because your team needs you there. But if you do want to play that other position, you got to work for it you have to develop the Was skills. There? Like if you wanted to become an outside hitter while you were being trained as a middle, well, guess what? Everybody else is getting two more hours of passing reps than you are. So now you want to be an outside hitter? You owe another two hours per day in the gym, you know, and that's that's up to you to do that. Mm-hmm. And for teams and players that are just trying to hit the next level, I've always thought that showing up to practice is the bare minimum. Correct. You hear the parents and everybody like, hey, like my daughter showed up. She went to every practice, every workout. Congratulations. You're, your kid just did the absolute minimum requirement to be on the team, not to start on the team, not, not, right. you know, not to get all that playing time.
0: Right. And that's why, I mean, I've always thought about like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term grit, but grit is so necessary. You have to be able to really dig deep and stick your heels in the ground and determine what you want and like manifest it. You have to go after it. If you know that you want to be a libero and you want to be a libero so bad, and right now you're a right side, you have to really go for it. And that means taking the time to learn the skills, talking to the setter. Can you back? Can you set me a back row attack? I'm trying to practice it. Things mm. like that that can push you forward. And I think that a lot of uh, players don't really know that you can kind of like push the coach by saying... Hey, so I've been practicing in my own time and I want to show you what I've learned. And that shows that you're coachable and in initiative. I mean, I would be like, whoa, respect.
1: I like that. I like the the non-silence of that. There's a better way to put that. But not just saying oh, they never let me hit. They never let me hit. How many times have you asked to hit? Like, do you do it every day in a cool sort of friend nudge nudge way or you know do you walk back to the end of the middle line and be like they're still not letting me hit outside well you gotta a earn earn it and then b also ask for it because if you're working in the dark if you're in the gym for two hours or you're on the beach for two hours when nobody else is watching which is what you should do somebody has to then know about it and then you have to open your own opportunities to be able to do it Right. I mean, it looks to me like you're the person who opens a lot of her own opportunities. Who, me? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, look, I try to like see something and then if I find it to be like, something that I can see in the long term, I'll go Mm. after it. Because I think that life is too short to be afraid and life is too short to not go after things that you want. And if you don't try, how do you know you're going to fail? And I mean, my coach used to tell me fail is first attempt in learning. So you have to fail to get better. Oh, I'm just this is my TED talk. (laughs) You have to get better. So you know, if that's what somebody needs to hear today. I mean, it's true. You have to really try. And that's why I tried on this channel. And this is why you tried with your company. You tried something and it's working
1: right yeah it's working growing what do you attribute other than trying let's maybe we'll dig into a little bit of the influencing and and channel building do you remember your first channel when you started your YouTube channel did you say I'm going to make a YouTube channel or was it just a post that you needed to to put up for somebody
0: well Cocoa Valley is my second channel I had oh. another channel and I had been doing social media for quite some time, just just like a little, just hidden uh. in like the shadows of like, you know, I'm gonna do something. I don't know what yet, but I'm gonna do something. And when I first started on YouTube, I wanted to be like this health and wellness, like really holistic kind of like we should self care and things like that. And I still talk about those on my channel, but then I realized, okay, I'm playing volleyball and a lot of people are coming to me asking me for tips. Maybe I can just record these tips and put them somewhere. And I was out to dinner with a friend one day and she said, you know, you should put this on YouTube. And I said, huh, that's interesting. That's Mm. real interesting. And then I took that and I sat on it for like six months. And then one day I posted it and I saw a little bit of a need and Mm. then it started getting shared and it started getting shared. And I started having my community come in and going, oh my God, can you teach me how to overhand serve? And I was like, I'd be honored. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, and it went from there.
1: Six months you sat on it. I, think, I sat wow, on it. That's it funny. was that
0: fear. It was that fear. I was afraid, you know? Were you?
1: What Was it fear or were you just like, I, I don't know if this is going to have any value? Like, did you see the value right. potential? Because to me, I no one could make it clear to me in the beginning. Somebody said, hey, Mark, just start a YouTube channel. This is how you're going to start growing your brand. And this was one of the guys in Tony Robbins, like six person circle. Like he knew his stuff and he was a volleyball job. And he brought out a camera and I've got, we still have those videos on our channel. And I was just frozen and robotic in front of the camera. I had no idea what to do it. And I said, what is this even going to turn into? You know, people are going to see it. So I didn't realize what it could have been. Otherwise, I definitely would have started it way earlier. I'm happy where we're at now, but it took a while but it wasn't fear for me. It was why, you know, I, I didn't understand. Yeah.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to correct my previous statement. I also would say maybe not fear, but why? Because I mean, when you think about it, when I started my channel in 2017, YouTube was like somewhere you'd go to like change your tire. Like how do I change a tire <laughs> right. or, you know, how do I carve a pumpkin? Not how do I overhand serve a volleyball? So I didn't know if there was like really an, audience for it yet mm-hmm. but then i realized oh okay people really like the sport okay and then you know people started wanting to play and then it just kind of i don't know manifested from there but i just didn't think youtube was the place for volleyball content in the beginning
1: right It's a little but weird,
0: now right? it is i mean social media has gone crazy I mean crazy. So,
1: yeah, there's and there's so much into the YouTube part of it is all right, now I have to search what people are searching for and then even right. when you think you have what they're searching for. For me, I I kind of thought that there was a lot of information out there on the basics of how to pass. So, when I started my first two videos, I immediately titled them advanced passing techniques like how to pass a short ball or or how to pass the high deep ball there those have no search terms so nobody is like typing those into that the only thing that we know because we didn't even put volleyball in the title you know so in, in terms of search there was no way people would have found that and it took hours of podcasting of not hosting a podcast listening to podcasts to understand like oh you got to figure out what people type in the search bar when they're actually yeah. looking for this advice yeah and then you got to double check it on youtube and, and the yeah. keywords everywhere and all that
0: it's a lot of back end work i don't know about you but my coach told me you practice before the season and you play during the season it's kind of like that where you got to do all of this research and then you put the video out. But you've already spent like a week trying to research this one video. So it's a lot. It's a lot of back end work. Right.
1: Do you love that stuff? Do you love the keyword I research? Love
0: I love editing. I love seeing keywords. Oh, you're an
1: editor? Ugh. I
0: love editing. Oh, I so hate great. it. That is, have you seen I don't my transition? of editing. I have like rainbows and sparkles and I'm like, <laughs> so I like editing. But with keyword research, I'm always interested to see what I see. Because sometimes I'm like, how to do a tip? What? like I like I I'm surprised by people what people want to know right so that surprises me that's my thing with keywords I think it's sometimes it could be a little tedious because it's you have to comb through so much
1: mm-hmm. so yeah it's always interesting and then like the misspellings you go <laughs> yeah, through and you're like oh I have to do I really have to make one video that spells volley with a single L you know yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like
0: yeah Uh huh.
1: all right I guess I gotta get that fake keyword
0: <laughs> yeah uh-huh. yeah I mean if it were if yeah. you strike gold you better go for it <laughs>
1: well, What's your number one video right now? Do you know what your like top performance is? I do. What is it? I
0: do. How to overhand serve for beginners. That Perfect. story I went back to, can you teach us how to overhand? It was that
1: one. Oh yeah. What is your best serving advice? Go through it. Let's, let's teach the audience.
0: My best serving advice is going to be kind of non-traditional. I would say you have to really think the ball is going to go over. Mm. If you are stepping up to that line and you're like, I have never made a serve in my life. It's not going to happen. It's going to suck. It probably might suck. So you need to really think in your mind. Positive affirmations can take you far. If you start to tell yourself over and over again, I'm going to do it over. I'm going to get it over. Maybe not this time, but I'm going to get it over. And you start to get that technique. You start to really change your habits when you start thinking positively. Naturally, you might start to Get more into the rhythm. You might get your bow and arrow a little better. You might remember to step in. I like to get that mindset part of it because I think we forget about that a lot.
1: Do you use any visualization with them? Do you say like, okay, imagine yourself hitting this to the wall? I do,
0: I do. I recently had a client who was trying to make their um, high school volleyball team. And we were talking about like uh, the power of not necessarily visualization, but of them thinking about the game. I wanted her to really think about herself very in detail, stepping up to the line. What are you wearing when you're stepping up to the line? What does it sound like? What does it look like? So that way, when we're actually going through it, she has that recording and that routine Mm -hmm. and it, it works. So <laughs> I, I think that that was helpful because when you can see it, you can go after it. You can't drive without a map or a GPS. Some people can, but a lot of people can't. Yeah. So you, you have to really see it.
1: I like that. That's good advice. We I had a, one story from coaching club years ago. There was one girl that we had on our team. Her coach told her, her high school coach told her she would never jump spike surf. She would never yeah. jump surf. And I was like, what? Why? I said, like, I needed to know, like, why did he think that you could not ever jump? Serve. I go that's completely bogus and so we had her working on it week after week every one of my players for indoor one of the first things that we learn is how to jump serve because I think that when you practice a jump serve you're practicing a spike at the same time yeah so I so think it, it actually gets you like two skills you know hey mm-hmm. you can practice attacking and you can practice serving and of course the arm swing mechanics and strength by developing this and even if you started you know jumping from behind the 10 foot line to make sure you get it over sure start there you'll eventually back up but we put her in the game uh in a club tournament against her old her old high school coach. I subbed her in specifically to serve jump serves. And I'm she, liking
0: the way this is going. I hear a revenge story. Okay, go oh, ahead.
1: Was so revenge story. She she rattled off three aces and earned five oh! points. Here's the funny part of being a new coach after all of that. <laughs> I got called for an illegal substitution. She went in like out of rotation or something or somebody had subbed in for somebody else. It was the second sub mm-hmm. and they had to take all those points. But she absolutely did not care. Our whole team was still like flexing off. So we lost the points, uh, but we won the battle for sure.
0: <laughs> that was a moment for her. She probably remembers that moment as the first time when you do something that somebody told you that you weren't going to do because growth is rev- Revenge. when you show that you've made progress. Right. I'm proud of her. You go yeah. girl.
1: Brittany Banker. That's
0: good. Yay, Brittany. With her. <laughs> That's awesome. It's an awesome story. So
1: uh, tell me about your audience a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. Who's finding you? Who are you helping? Um, And and why would people find you? And I know that they can hire you. They can take some, some online coaching as well. So tell me a little bit about your business and your audience.
0: Okay. So I want you to think about you at 13. Mm. Maybe you haven't played volleyball before are you thinking about it okay you haven't played before you're literally walking in to the school and you see a sign that says volleyball tryouts no experience that's my audience Got the it. person who has just now experiencing it for the first time they're on youtube they're like maybe i'll try a sport this year for school okay volleyball what the heck boom coach coco hi what's up you guys my name is coach Coco. there we go so <laughs> that's, that's awesome. me
1: very nice okay and then you know what do you do so obviously you're giving away tons of great free advice on YouTube. YouTube on Instagram and TikTok, right? You also have a a TikTok channel. So is that, are you going through sponsorships? Are you relying on the income from YouTube? Uh, Or do you get a lot of those, uh coaching clients, would
0: you say? I think it's a combination of both. I do in-person coaching because I like to coach in person. So that way we can kind of like, you know, translate some real skills. And then I do clients that are online. We do confidence coaching. We do online overhand serve coaching, things like that. And I have courses, which like breaks it down even further than YouTube. And then I do sponsorships selectively based upon if I think it's appropriate for my brand, um, because I would never bring anything to my channel that I do not support or believe in
1: because Mm. they are
0: the utmost importance.
1: That's nice. How do you go about getting a sponsorship for a YouTube channel? Is that outreach or do people, I get a few emails every week, but they're all shady. You know, yeah. they're like like a gambling or a gaming site. And it's yeah. like, I've gotten enough of them where I know to just delete them every now and then it's written okay. But we are still, you know, for our podcast, for our channel, we're still looking to support other businesses, but no one's reached out and said, hey, we'd like to sponsor your podcast. Hey, we'd like to sponsor Bye. your channel. We have the audience for sure, but I'm also so focused on building my business and I'm not trying to reach out to other people
0: right so if they came for a lot of youtubers it's a different story but for volleyball because we find volleyball so important and we're so passionate about volleyball and our audience is so passionate about volleyball but sometimes businesses don't know what volleyball is and they don't understand the value of the volleyball audience because we're some good people okay and we deserve to be able to see different items and see different products that influencers are bringing to us that they care about us so they want to show us something a lot of it is outreach because you have to show your value to the business and saying hey my name is mark this is what we have i'll bring you here boom you -hmm. know so a lot of it is outreach in the beginning and then once you start to build a repertoire sometimes that connection will share it with another connection and another connection so yeah
1: what do you think are the best products that align with volleyball players like if you had we'll say three we're not gonna make a giant list but like three dream companies that you think would be perfect for your, Ooh, me? your audience yeah <sighs> well not you but perfect for your audience and you
0: oh you know okay yeah that's a tough one man okay listen i would love to work with gatorade just mm. give me drink and i will show the drink okay um of course like the bigger brands like nike and things like that those are those are like literal dreams okay? okay but i think for in volleyball in general we need a lot of different things like for you maybe sunscreen mm-hmm. i would go after sunscreen Um, I would go after glasses, things like that, that would be beach volleyball players find a necessity for like, for me, the sunglasses probably wouldn't fly, but for you it would. Right. Mm -hmm. But then for both of us, volleyball shoes, you know? So I think that we have to look at like first the level of play, then we have to look at the age. It's a lot of different realms that you have to look at, but think about things that you usually use on a daily basis and go after that.
1: Oh. And then just reach out to those. Like adjacent. For Mm -hmm. people who are, there's a lot of players on tour who, and I I mean, I did this in my 20s. I would try to do that. I would try to reach out to uh, like a protein supplement and say like, hey, you know, I've got 5,000 followers. Like I'm on tour. People are going to watch me play. So uh, do you want to sponsor me? And then I would spend hours and end up with like a free tub of protein. Sometimes it's like
0: a thousand emails and you get like 10 back.
1: Yeah, so, that became a waste it's of my time. That same grit. It's
0: that you know? same grit. I know it is. Yeah, but it's that same grit. So but I guess
1: maybe have- my ask was too small. You know, and instead of saying like, "This is my, this is what it costs for a season," I'd be like, right. "Well, you know, do you have any product or something like that?" And then, and then you really have to prove yourself to that company that they're actually getting clicks. And you say, "Look what I generated for you." You can't just right. associate yourself with somebody and then expect it from there. And then you got to care for the relationship, right? Right. It, you know, like, hey, thanks for all that stuff. And then they never hear from you again. What's going to happen there?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would like think about it as like, hey, I'm Mark. I have 47,000 subscribers. This is what I can do for you. This is my audience. And this is what they want. Your product, meet you, let's do it very, like, this is what I'm going to give you. This is what you're going to get out of it. Because when they think about it from the business standpoint, they're not thinking about, oh, he plays beach. That's awesome. My daughter plays beach. Let's go with him. They're thinking about it like, well, how many people are going to... It's very business-oriented. Like, I got into business with this, and I never thought I was going to do business. Mm. This is so... Um, people don't realize how professional YouTube can be, and how... Oh, yeah. Uh, like... When we put a video out, that's our passion. But then to keep putting videos out, we have to be very analytical about how we do it. So there's a lot that goes into bringing you this new product. We sponsored this. We signed this. We signed this three months ago for you to see this now. So, right.
1: you know. Okay. So do you have uh, any current sponsors of people that are helping you out? Any companies that you're working with like in in the immediate time?
0: Well, I am a long-term partner of all volleyball. Love them.
1: Oh, They're great. Such great guys. I
0: love them. So yes. And, um, I recently finished a sponsorship with Under Armour on TikTok.
1: Oh snap. That's nice. So
0: yeah. So, um, Right now, we're still, I'm still kind of like buckling down in coaching, but I'm open for sponsorship. If you see me, hey, so. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. Okay. What questions do you get from your audience the most? I know you said, you know, overhand serving, it's definitely a big one. And that's one of the intimidating ones. I think, you know, adults as, as well as kids, and I think a lot of parents are worried about their kid, like starting to overhand serve. And I just, I tell everybody, just start overhand serving. You know, like do it in practice all day long, learn the underhand serve just so that when it comes time to the match, if your team needs you to make one in, all right, you, you make in that underhand serve and it should be relatively easy compared to learning that, but don't lose the reps from attempting right. overhand spiking. Because then it'll just drag that time timeline out before you learn it.
0: Right. So what I other than
1: overhand serve do you get like most questions?
0: I get a lot of questions about, okay, this one's a good one. I get, I'm a boy. How can I play volleyball? I get that wow. a lot. Still. I, huh? get a, a lot. Wow. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. And I have some great advice for that. Okay. Um, I also get, I don't feel like I'm good as other people. What do I do? And I get a lot of passing questions. But most of I would say generally most are my the serving the social emotional things. Um, You can come to my channel, we can just have a whole like sit together. And we can go, you know, we can hug and whatnot. So it's a lot of not only skill based things, but mental, social, emotional questions.
1: More, more people than I thought really want to hear about the mental and partner side of it. And that's it's wild because it is so difficult, you know, learning how to communicate with somebody, how to talk to them, how to help them or or help their technique, without offending them, you right. know, or making them feel bad about about what they need to fix. That's right. tough. And then, it like is. you said earlier, talking with coaches, uh, saying like, "Hey." Can I hit outside for a few reps right now? You know, I know I'm a middle, but can I pass some balls?
0: And I think, I think the reason why my channel has done so well is because I break things down very easily, but also because I, I seem very approachable because I am very approachable, but and I went through great lengths to make sure my channel is a safe space. Like you have like psychological safety over there. You can ask anything and then you'll see, as you've seen, you can see other people commenting like, you got it. It's going to be great. And I love that. I love that so much because it's such an encouraging environment. Um, because sometimes you can't ask those questions in practice. Right. And for the fear of being wrong, for the fear of being judged, for the fear of somebody thinking, well, that was a dumb question. Um that's why I want my channel to be a place where the coach taught you a new skill. My coach told me this today, and I don't know what it means. Can you tell me what this term means? And then I explain it, and they're like, "Oh, okay," and they go and apply it. So it's a safe, a safe volleyball haven for the new players to come and like collect together and, and chat. Like
1: Do you find yourself talking back or commenting more and conversing more with people on any specific channel? I like, guess it, uh, TikTok, Instagram. YouTube or your members?
0: I talk a lot to a lot of people on Instagram, a lot. And a lot of people through email, like Instagram DM and through email, we're voice messaging each other back. We're like, hey, (laughs) yeah. So it's a lot of Instagram. And then I try to comment back on YouTube um, because we get a lot of questions that are very similar that I like to, to message back. And you know, I try to be as accessible as possible. And if I notice something that's being asked by a lot of people, it's obviously something that people want to see. Right. So but then also people want that personalization. They want me to reply to them. So yeah. a video is one thing, but she replied to what I said. She took the time out of her day to really read it. I think that's a great feeling.
1: How do you measure your time with that? We're at the point where we have I mean, we're not we're not even close to your following on YouTube and our Instagram is growing. So we're getting 500 new followers a day just on Instagram. Oh! It's, like, <laughs> it's it's crazy the growth. But now it's like so many people are asking questions and commenting and wanting responses that I I would literally need another 24 hours in each day to to ask, yeah. to, to answer those questions. So we've hired a few coaches, so now we've now we're we've, really starting to develop a team and kind of invested in more coaching, more of the courses so that people have better faster answers. But mm-hmm. it's between my text messages, emails, Zendesk, uh, YouTube comments, there's no way. Facebook comments, Instagram, they're all good questions. And like you said, we want to summarize a lot of them and then say, okay, enough people are asking this. Let's make a really good post on this or a good video on this. Mm-hmm. But how do you handle that influx of messages and comments?
0: Well, the first step is to not panic. I'm a one-person team. I've been a one person team this whole time. So, it's you know, it, to me. it's easy for me <laughs> to like, feel like, feel bad because I'm not getting back to everybody. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they took other time out of their day. to write an entire paragraph. I have to respond, but then I also have to be grateful to myself. Like you can't, feel bad. You have to do what you can do. So what I do is I set a specific time each week, a specific time block. This is when I'm going to do Instagram. Okay. This is when I'm going to do YouTube. This is when I, so that way I feel like it's scheduled. So I don't start to feel that overwhelm creeping up because I know that time's coming back.
1: How, how big are those blocks of time with all of your followers?
0: Maybe like two hours. So I try oh, wow. to go like Instagram Uh, like, like two hours of just drinking a smoothie. (laughs) So, you know, um, YouTube, I try to do about two hours. I try to, I'm a big kind of person who likes to chunk my time because I have so little time. Um, But even sometimes fitting it in where I'm at the DMV waiting for my license to get renewed, you know, just small times that you can fit things in, but that doesn't mean over, over oversaturate your day. Um, just when you can because you have to also remember that they understand right they understand
1: well some Um, of them do yeah hopefully (laughs) they understand (laughs) you get the influx of of negativity and you're just like yeah you know just brush it off and you're just like some people just need to be negative for whatever reason like did you really take the time out of your day to be angry on the internet
0: yeah but you remember all press is good press sometimes the time to send it to you (laughs) So that means they're watching you, which means they clicked on it, which means there's a view, right?
1: Right. They're supporting the algorithm. Like,
0: they're supporting you. (laughs) So,
1: okay. So you talked to, you said one of your most common questions is, I'm a boy. Where do I play volleyball? What's your response?
0: Yeah. So um, I get that question quite a bit. And I'm so happy that in the United States, where we both live, male volleyball is becoming much more popular here in north carolina we have some different clubs that are now having men's volleyball accessible to a lot of male players um high school volleyball is a different story we're seeing yeah. it becoming more developed i know that where you are in california you probably see it much more popular but here on the east coast of the united of the states it's still developing and i like how The more we ask about it, the more people think about it, the more it happens. Mm -hmm. We have to be proactive. And I know I've said it before in the podcast. We have to be proactive about what we want. We want more men's volleyball teams. We have to be proactive and take the initiative. I've actually had some players who say, okay, I'm really inspired. I'm going to ask my school about it. That's that first question. That first question gets popped up to the athletic director. Then they might go to the superintendent and it might happen. My college at UNC Charlotte, they had a men's volleyball team. I don't know if it's in existence anymore. This was like circa 2014. But they had a men's volleyball team. Um, A lot of colleges are starting to happen, you know? And it's just becoming more popular because it's becoming more visible. YouTube has made it more visible for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we... My... One of my best friends in high school, he really wanted to play lacrosse in the spring season. Our school didn't have it. He went to the athletic director. He went to the dean and he's like, Hey, I want to start a team. I want to start a team. I want to start a team. And he pushed it. He's like, Well, do you have enough guys? Do you have this? He was, you know, 16 years old doing all of this paperwork, filling out things and plans and and what was needed and where the other teams were. And uh, it's, he got a win, but he also got a loss. He made it happen, Mm -hmm. but the lacrosse team existed. For the first time, its first season after he graduated.
0: Oh, God.
1: You know, but so the parts
0: of his labor paid off, though. Just not yeah, for him. They did, just
1: not for him. But like, look at what he, you know, he laid the groundwork for other athletes that would otherwise not have that sport in, a, in our school. And so I was right. so proud of him to just like, wait, you can just start a sport team? Like, I, that was bonkers to think about. And he just went after it and he did it.
0: You know, I think a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of universities, you can start a club with like, I don't know, eight members and then a faculty member to sponsor your club. That's just me giving y'all some tea. You can go to your university, go to the club area, get one faculty member, a certain amount of people to join, and then boom, club. Drop some bylaws, collect dues, boom, men's volleyball. Think about it.
1: We did that at uh, at University of Delaware. Uh, that's did how you? I started getting into it. One of my guys was, he pushed really hard. He's from Pennsylvania and uh, Niatamari. He actually became one of the very influential in the coaching scene and the selection of All Americans for high school and college. And he pushed and pushed and pushed to get and keep this club. And there's a lot of work as a as a club president, but you know he created a legacy there. And then when I got in there with a the little bit of extra mentality we had two practice times per week we really pushed them and we were able to get us up to four practice times per week so then we had you know eight total practice hours and it was great we we're strong we you know went to nationals and that's nationals is where I really fell in love with volleyball
0: oh, oh. so that was your why
1: that was one of them I was there's a bunch of different sports that I was playing but when we went, oh
0: so you're a multi-sport athlete yeah
1: I think everybody should be it, yeah everybody should be trying different sports and like attempting them because you'll develop a different sense of movement little bits specializing into one thing and only learning one thing I just don't think it's that great in in life in in general right No you, know, you want to be a well-rounded person and a well-rounded athlete yeah why not because if you if you are born in one sport your parents tell you to play one sport and then you only do that you don't even know what the other ones feel like. And right, volleyball right. was probably my fifth or sixth sport, being on a on a competitive really? team. Really? Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm trying to think of which one of them was mine. I played multiple sports in high school. I did track and field. Nice. But I threw the di- I threw the discus into the shot put. Okay. I still have my school record. You think they're oh. going to retire my jersey? I hope they do. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, they'll probably make a ceremony about it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I want a ceremony. I want them to, like, cater food and <laughs> step up to the stage. Hall no, of Fame. That'll be long.
1: another uh, YouTube video for you.
0: It's been too long. They forgot about <laughs> me. It's fine. But, okay. yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely think that you should. You won't know what you like until you try multiple right. things. And one will just stick out to you. But volleyball's the best. I'm just putting that out there <laughs> for anybody listening.
1: It is. People love volleyball. It's great. I mean, it's so great. Awesome. Yeah. Just recently started, and this has been like a long time coming. But uh, just recently started doing some jujitsu and getting into that. Oh, and I came from football, and so okay, w- what I've always known that I missed from volleyball is the physical contact, like the impact. Um, yeah, something about it just is fun for me, and uh, the, the raw strength of it. So now getting into jujitsu, feeling that one-on-one, your, your physical strength versus my physical strength. I love it. There's so much more technique that I haven't even tapped into yet. Like I'm a total, total beginner at it, but it's so much fun. And I'm just enjoying like another sport, you know, I'm 37 and now I'm trying another sport. So I'm, I'm
0: I do have a question. So when you were trying jiu-jitsu and because you've been through the process of learning volleyball and you know how it was for you to learn how to play volleyball and all those stages that came with it the, the the anger stage the i'm doing great stage the anger stage again the i'm doing great stage when you went to jiu-jitsu because you already went through that process with volleyball is it easier for you mentally to understand what stages you're going through or is it just completely different Uh,
1: I think for me, it's a little bit different because now I've been coaching for so long. So when I was, you know, playing volleyball, I had done a bunch of coaching, but as a kid, as a teenage coach who you're working with juniors or like really old ladies. Um, So now it's, 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 it's interesting. I'm critiquing the coaches as they coach, you know, inside Mm -hmm. my mind, but I'm Mm -hmm. also really trying to learn it because uh, jujitsu is this endless puzzle with, changing pieces at all times you know there's one piece of the puzzle that you're about to put it in there and then something changes and you're like no it goes here uh so there's so much to constantly think about that it's it's really mentally intensive and and it's right for me learning right now it's way less physical and way more just just mentally intensive so I'm enjoying it in that way
0: I mean, you have to keep growing and learning new things because it keeps your brain ripe. I mean, during the lockdown, I tried tennis. And let me tell you, I don't know if it was a great experience for me. I'm still trying. I'm dedicated. Yeah. I'm dedicated. I will learn how to serve a tennis ball. I'm telling you. It's just, but then the only issue with tennis for me, I'm sorry, tennis fans. It's there's <laughs> like this directional control you have to have some real good depth perception. Mm-hmm. And for me, I try to swing the racket as if I were attacking a volleyball. So it goes straight down and uh-huh. not at an angle. And it's a lot of cardio, man. It's a lot of running.
1: Yep. Those forearms, oh. that, that underhand stroke is is different for people. So tennis was my first sport. So when Oh, my I...
0: gosh. Are you a tennis <laughs> person? I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I'm trying.
1: Not at all. i I'm I love it I still love it I just chose other sports over it um baseball season you know took precedence and then never got back to it after high school because they I tried real hard but they wouldn't let me play both sports at the same time and it's now I'm doing a little bit of beach tennis which is like the perfect I'm sorry, combination I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry what is that
1: beach tennis. I learn a new sport every day
0: what is beach tennis is that the one where they have the bung, 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 bung kind of thing back and forth <laughs>
1: Basically, I think you're just describing racket sports, but <laughs>
0: okay, okay, I, I, you know, I've never heard.
1: It's okay. a smaller tennis court with a little bit of a higher net. Uh, the rackets are kind of fiberglass slash wood, uh, so you don't have the power that comes from the strings. So it's a smaller court, higher net, and it's on sand. And obviously, you can't let the ball bounce. It's okay. So that is much the bong fun. bong
0: one. I'm sorry. That's I sound yeah. crazy. That's the bong, <laughs> bong. Okay, yeah. That sounds like like it'd be a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, it's it is love. And then if you're playing beach volleyball before you go into that, it's a quick pickup. It's really you know you're you're already above all the rest of the beginners. And if you had played tennis before you played that, you have a real advantage. So it's something that I can kind of jump into and feel competent right away. It's a
0: crossover. It is the best of both worlds for you. Yeah,
1: it's a good merge.
0: Have you ever played spike ball?
1: Yeah, of course. My life's on the beach. We got all that stuff.
0: Oh, they look so cool! Every time I go, I'm like the spike ball people. But you know, I'm not going over there. But it's so interesting to play. Um, it's just so cool that there we can talk about all the different sports and how they've influenced our volleyball journey. Yeah. And as you know, sports are just awesome. So,
1: yeah. if somebody were to let's say let's say there was a club director out there mm-hmm. or somebody who mm-hmm. has a facility and they were starting. Either they had the choice to start Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. What do you think would be the best path for them to growing their following, creating a a community so that maybe they could grow a club or a team? And what would be their first steps? Like, Could you lay out the first three days of what they might try?
0: I would first do research on the area I live in. Okay. And determining if volleyball is necessary, a need in that area. How and if it is, out? so I would first do a simple Google search of volleyball near me and mm-hmm. seeing what comes up. And then I would click on the search results, probably the first page to see kind of where audience they're targeting, kind of events that they're doing. You shouldn't reinvent the wheel if the wheel's already there, Um, And just looking to see kind of where the direction the community is going to. If you live in a smaller community, it's going to be harder. So check a major city near you. So if you live like in the middle of nowhere, which some people do live in small, small cities, look at a bigger city near you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after you kind of see exactly who is looking for you, then you start giving them what they're looking for. Are these adult players? Are they middle school players? Are they high school players? Are they looking for summer camp? Is school out? Hmm. You have to look at the time of year. There's a lot of different things. The time How do you of year. know
1: what they are looking for?
0: So I use the search bar for everything. So okay. if you go into the search bar and then you type in, let's use a hypothetical, volleyball near me, and then the first letter of something, it will start to populate results in the search bar. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are looking for. Google oh, populates results okay. for you. Mm-hmm. So
1: you kind of get the most popular searches just by starting to type certain words. Correct. Huh.
0: So it lets you see different things you're looking for. So if I were the club director, you have to meet the demand and you have to provide value to who's looking for you Um, and you have to be in the right places that people are looking for try to make connections with athletic athletic directors at schools okay um try to make connections with church representatives
1: oh this is good stuff keep going
0: i mean they have children's churches i mean try to make connections with i don't know ymcas if they don't have a volleyball program there's a need for volleyball you have to put yourself in the space volleyball is in
1: those are good key figures yeah church organizations YMCA um, athletic departments maybe even like local basketball courts like hey do you have yeah the, do you have the volleyball yeah. inserts does mm-hmm. anybody use it yeah-hmm mm-hmm. and then because some people might say no we don't have volleyball and since they're not a volleyball person uh-huh. they might just be saying no and never hearing from that again. But maybe they're saying no 20 times a week. You know, no, we don't have volleyball. No, we don't have volleyball. And then if you call them, they go, no, but we get a hundred people asking every year, you know? So then you can yeah. kind of jump onto it and say, do you have their numbers? Or <laughs> I, I mean, you need to have
0: your card like on on deck. You don't have volleyball, but you could. Mm. You don't have volleyball, but you could. So, like
1: that. okay. So if they're searching, go and Google, see if there's, See if there's more people who are interested um, with those searches, but then finding them becomes the the harder part. It does. It I, does. I, I give similar advice, but I always steer people towards Facebook groups. I go search on Facebook for volleyball, insert city, volleyball, mm-hmm. insert like state and town, and then join those and see those. But getting training groups together is usually a big, a big thing that my audience, I like, get, mostly adults from my side is, Hey, Mm -hmm. I love beach volleyball, but there's like five players in my town. How do I find people that actually want to practice? And everybody wants to play. No one wants to improve. And for those people, I always say you get in the Facebook group, Mm
0: -hmm. you very
1: specifically say, I am uh, doing passing reps, not, not playing volleyball. You say, I am doing passing reps, From this time to this time at this location, does anybody want to pass for an hour and a half with me? I'm working on serve receive. You know, like it has to be very specific for the training because you can cast a wide net and maybe grow from zero. But if there's already Mm -hmm. a partial community there, but you're just looking for something specific, it's, you know, most of my, like I said, my audience is everybody plays and they hate that. They're like, I want to get better. I don't just want to play. I want to get better. So for us, it's always find the people who want to train, put them into a private WhatsApp group, and then say, do you know anybody else who wants to just pass for 90 minutes? You know, because that's a very specific type of person. Um, Most people say, no, I want to play. Or they'll get there and they'll say, yeah, I want to pass. And then 15 minutes in, they'll try to turn it into a game. And it's like, this isn't your person. You know, you need to knock them out and reinsert somebody else.
0: What about offering those type of services before some type of tournament? I mean, like, I know in my area, we have tournaments all the time. Like, I'm talking every weekend, super fun. And people tend to play more right before it.
1: That's a brilliant idea. Connecting with a local tournament director and saying, hey, could I do a free clinic or training session, you know?
0: (laughs) Or volleyball open gym here hey guys i know you guys came for open gym but my name's mark and today you know i mean i mean that is clickbait don't do clickbait in real life i'm just kidding (laughs) but You know, we play, we tend to play. Bring them in for open gym and say, no, actually (laughs) we're running suicides. Yeah. Don't do real clickbait in real life. I don't think it's going to work out well. They have their car. They're going to (laughs) leave.
1: Gotcha. We're doing drills for the next three hours.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Don't do that. I was, but I mean, it gets them in the door, you know? So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, we tend to play a lot more before a tournament if i know it's coming i'm like okay guys we gotta get it together Mm. so where are we gonna go oh we could go to that gym that mark rented oh well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah well he's kind of crazy man we're gonna
0: run we're gonna (laughs) run but it's okay i'm
1: not trying to do jumping drills for the next two hours like i want to walk on monday
0: (laughs) if it gets me better shoot i'll do it
1: yeah right i do like that idea of reaching out to very specific personnel who you know would be in charge—that would be a heck of a list to just come up with and give out to the audience Networking. and say, like, "Hey, church leaders, uh, YMCA, gym leaders, anybody who manages any sort of gymnasium—you know, like CYO. In New York, we had CYO Catholic Youth Organization. It was like the church mm-hmm. league, but there are people who control that gym and the timing of it. And we used to be able to get gym time from our church.
0: Get on the schedule. Get on the schedule.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. How do you grow an Instagram channel?
0: Well, I think my Instagram grew kind of organically, like off of my YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like my YouTube is like the real baby. And the Instagram is like, you know, supplementary to that real baby. Um, I think it depends on who really utilizes Instagram. So for me, Facebook is not a big, large audience for me because my audience is on the younger side, so they don't really use Facebook very much. Uh, they're much more on the TikTok and YouTube, so yeah. I focus primarily on those. But then I do have those who utilize Instagram and everybody's family here, so I make sure to make accessible content dependent on the platform. And sometimes the content will look different dependent on the platform. Right. Instagram is more, um, I don't want to say Quick cut headers. and dry, but it's very straight to the point and very, this is what you need to know and this is how I'm going to give it to you. TikTok is also, this is what you need to know. I'm going to be funny here and this is how I'm going to give it to you. you and then a shuffle is, dance, right? <laughs> and then YouTube is just like, hey, guys, it's me editing transition wipe. Mm-hmm. I'm here, you know, so. Yeah, there's
1: no time for like transitions in Instagram. Like that's no. when they, they're swiping away. It's such crazy. No. It's crazy how the attention uh, attention span is so different from platform to platform. You Half know, a like second. people on Facebook like... want to talk. They actually want conversations and they want to get into the conversation and you know, fill the comment sections. Instagram just wants your quickest advice possible. And mm-hmm. And then YouTube is like, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to sit here for an hour and and learn about volleyball. So now I'm, I'm looking at YouTube.
0: But I mean, YouTube has a certain level of like presence compared to other social media because you can see people on TikTok not translate to YouTube at all.
1: Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Or Instagram and not translate to YouTube at all. It works much better from YouTube and then to others than others onto YouTube. It just, I don't know how, why that is but maybe because this is a shorter platform which requires less stage presence or less personality mm-hmm. versus YouTube you got to carry a conversation with yourself like if you weren't here I'd be talking to myself so right. you we got about
1: quite a few podcasts in the beginning that I did where it's just me teaching right yeah.
0: and i mean when you start a channel in the beginning as you know you're kind of like hey guys welcome to my channel you know mm-hmm. and you watch it back and you're like what the heck this is awful yeah. And then as you get better you're like okay this is good i can see myself you see you see your own self come out
1: there's also so. i think when you make the longer form content like the longer videos that you can post on youtube if you if you teach for 8 minutes 15 minutes on a video like that you can turn that into 8 to 15 bits of content for Instagram, TikTok, right. the the shorter ones. And then as soon as you do that, it's like, oh, you know what? That was a one minute video. Can we take like the main idea out of that video and just make it into a Twitter post?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would 100% agree that if you feel like you have gotten really great keystone content mm. as using it somewhere else, because somebody on YouTube, somebody on Instagram might not have seen that. But you know how Instagram works and you know how TikTok works. You just have to make sure that the camera quality doesn't decrease as you go. It needs to be like the camera quality. I mean, in recent years, back in the day, you could start like a YouTube channel and a webcam and it's, that's cool. You know? And nowadays it needs to be like, I'm talking like Xbox 360, like, 3D animation level camera quality. Like, I need to be right here, camera quality. So you just have to, have to make sure that you have the quality consistent, the sound consistent, and those are things that will help your channel grow in the long run mm-hmm. because we want content that's going to be continued to be watched over time. Right. You know, it can't be filmed on potato. Like, some of my videos early, early, early on were, like, filmed on, like, a potato. So I had to private them because I was looking back, like...
1: Ooh. on a potato what does that mean oh it's a joke
0: it means like it was filmed just horribly
1: oh horribly
0: <laughs> just horribly like it's not even a camera somebody hit like a potato so,
1: yeah so. it was awful
0: it was awful so but you want content that people are going to look at for years mm. and years and years i mean people are watching my videos from five years ago
1: right and that's the one thing that so i don't do any editing i <laughs> Bad at it. I'm slow at it and I don't enjoy it in any way. I have a fantastic editor. I have three fantastic editors. Um, One of them, Tanya Stumphauser, has essentially with her editing single handedly built our YouTube channel. You know, it was our teaching, but all of her editing. So she's been fantastic. But she got so concerned when we started moving over to Instagram. She's like, we already posted that. And I said, that was six months ago. And only 20% of your audience even sees. Any posts that you put out. So really, within a six-month period, you should post the same thing five times if you actually want to serve your audience. And if it's good information, how many times has your best coach told you the same thing?
0: A like lot. you
1: need to hear it again, right? So mm-hmm. we, we're now in this this big kind of reposting um, time. With our not not YouTube because that becomes hard, but definitely with our Instagram and with our TikTok, we're going and saying like, no, just keep recycling it, keep recycling it. Mm -hmm. It'll hit somebody at the right time when they most need it. You know, when they just Mm -hmm. messed up on match point, or when they're going into a tournament and like, yes, I gotta remember that today. Right. You know, so it's it's not harming anybody to put that out. Some people will unfollow you. And okay, they don't need you right now. But when they do, they'll come back and you haven't hurt their feelings.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I mean, that's something I had to learn uh, in the beginning as well. When people unfollow you, don't take it personally. In my mind, I take it as, okay, well, maybe they don't play volleyball anymore.
1: Right. Or, maybe you got a store. They came into your store and then looked around, liked a bunch of stuff, but weren't ready to buy anything. So they left. That's not them being a jerk. That's them like, they had a good time seeing some nice stuff in your store. Right. Probably come back later. <laughs> but I mean, like
0: sometimes when people have like a very small YouTube channel yeah. and where it's easier to notice the unfollowers, they're oh. like, oh, like I had a hundred subscribers and now I have 98. Like you, that, that can hurt. I mean, that can hurt. But then as you grow, you start to realize that you're valuable. Your content is valuable and you have to be confident in yourself because, you know, this mass of people like what you do and it's okay if some person doesn't because not everybody's going to like what you do, right. but a lot of people do.
1: Yeah. And, and if you're going out there with a good heart good heart, and you're doing good things, you can be happy with your place in the world. You right. Know, so long as you're following your heart, you're doing something that you love and you're doing it in a genuine way. And that's, we, we can always, for the amount of work that we've put in um, with it, admittedly quite little return, but a lot of growth in terms of audience like, man, we're doing a good thing. And then people will stop us at tournaments. They'll come, they'll say, hi, ask for pictures. And it's like, this is cool. You know, this is, this is why we did it. Does it make you feel good? It does. It really does. It's, you found your place in the sport, you know, and you're able to give something. Cause you know, I started playing pro indoor and then moved to the beach. And for me, it was, It was never enough to just have that contract and play in front of a bunch of people like, Hey, watch me. And that will make your life better because you're entertained. I never thought entertainment for entertainment's sake was any good. I said, how do I give something to, to make my place in the world meaningful and I want to be able to help people. So in my contracts, I've said this on a few other episodes, (laughs) but in my contracts, I always said, uh, can you include that I get to work with the juniors club or another, or another team within the program. And that always made me feel better to be able to help somebody. It got me out of my own head, right? Even when I was playing bad, I said, now I get to help somebody. So I can't feel bad and be all pissy. You know, I have to go and actually help this person not make the same mistakes that I did. And now the world's becoming a better place because of me. It's not just people watching. It is.
0: I mean, it really is. And then when you get to the place where – you taught somebody everything they needed to know, that's gonna come back and like really hit you hard. Like I've had players who started on my channel and now they're playing in college. And it's like, oh my God, like I taught you how to serve and now you're <laughs> yeah. serving for. Like it's really emotional for me because yep. it's like, wow, like the person that I went, like I really helped you like fly from the nest. Like, you know, it, it makes me feel really, really good. And just side note, like I'm a teacher in real life. So sometimes I have students who will go on my YouTube channel and they're like, well, Hey, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm inspiring you to play volleyball here. And then I see you during the daytime, you know? So it's, the smile that you get from somebody who, when they really, really get something from you, mm-hmm. is just irreplaceable. Like, I love playing yes. volleyball more than anything in this world. And I love hitting the volleyball more than anything in this world. But to watch somebody else do it because I've helped them learn how to do it is just fantastic because their joy literally is my joy. It is to be able to see them get it. And you know, that light bulb goes off for the first time, and you're like, you got it. You got it. It makes me feel so good.
1: Oh, we got the same heart. I I swear, Coach, we got the same heart. It's that face when somebody does something for the first time and it surprises them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it worked. I told you. I I I told you. I love the it worked statement. (laughs) Yeah. I told you it was going to
0: happen. You know, and then we jump up. "Ah!" You know, you know, yeah. how you like you win a game show and you're hugging each other. That's yeah. what we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do the high yeah. knees real quick.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, we have so much fun. I mean, it's it's a it's a great thing. Playing volleyball is an amazing thing, and I feel like if you get to a level that you are just spectacular at volleyball, there is another you out there who needs you right now. Mm. Oh, that's Absolutely. that's a word. That's a whole that's vibe.
1: Nice. That's a sound vibe yeah. right there.
0: Yeah, there's another you who needs you right now. And I think um, it is just so helpful when you can tell somebody else, I've gone through the fire here, so let me help walk you through. So I think that it's really great. And I I really wish that more volleyball players would take mentees um, under their wing. Maybe they're playing middle school for the first time or high school for the first time. It would be so fantastic to have somebody to I'm having a really hard time at this game, and I don't know how I feel about this. Somebody you can talk to about that, that safe yes. space, creating a safe space for them. Because, you know, volleyball is a, a wonderful, beautiful thing, but that relationship you can build with others around volleyball is
1: just chef's kiss. 100%. You know, that that makes me think that so many people are missing something, because I was in a fraternity for two years, and we had bigs and littles. So. When Uh I came into the fraternity, I had a big brother, somebody who was supposed to guide me like on my way to being a man and and to making sure that I could actually weather the storm of college. And there are some programs I've learned from like studio fitness uh, programs that they say introduce your new members for that class to one of your veterans and say, hey, can you show them around, make sure they don't get lost, you know, but for teams, why aren't more high school club teams pairing their new members or a younger team and saying, that's your big, you know, anytime you need something, you get to go to her, the The amount of personal growth that first of all, the mentor, even if they're two yeah. years, two years older, the mentor gets to have because like, Oh, I'm kind of now responsible for somebody else, you know, and, and they get to now have to have a respect for their own image because of how their little is going to look at them. And then, yeah. Giving somebody, I was lucky enough to have older brothers, but giving somebody young, somebody older that they can talk to about things or saying, no, your questions, your problems, your concerns, here, direct them here. That's what this person is for. I think a yeah, lot I mean, of high school teams can and college teams can really benefit from that.
0: I think that would be a wonderful thing because it's one thing to do and it's another thing to teach. And sometimes we learn better to teach something than we may do something. And I know that college players are so busy with life, with school, with practice, all of that, but to take a younger high school student and show them maybe a high school student who didn't think college was in their plans Mm -hmm. and now they're going to go and they may be a first generation college student, but you were the difference that made them want to go to college or you were the difference who help them feel better if they maybe were going through depression and the sport really healed them. Volleyball can do a lot of different things, but if we have this mentor mentee relationship, it's just like a next level. It's adding a layer onto how great it is. I think that that can open up a lot of doors and this is something that people should pursue.
1: Uh, We touched on something here. We touched on something.
0: Look, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's so true.
1: Okay. So let's, we're going to kind of wrap this up, but I do want, one good meaty piece of advice for somebody who is trying to build a following for their club, for their team, for their organization. Do you think that with your experience, so mainly TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, mm-hmm. like those was your biggest experience. Of course, you have a, a, a website as well um, mm-hmm. where people can, can book you for online training and take one of your courses. That's awesome. And I have it here, but you can say it out loud. Sorry, it's in the background here.
0: No, it's what's, okay. What's the name of your website? It is www.kokovale.com. That's www.kokovale.com.
1: You can go there, learn indoor volleyball get some coaching get some mentality training um and confidence training i love that you're doing that it's so necessary but for anybody who wants to develop their organization and get some eyes on it and they say like you know what's important to them right now is just that enough people know that there is a juniors club that they're starting or that there is you know in open gym that they're starting what would be some good meaty piece of advice either on YouTube? or Instagram, and what do you think that they should start or continue posting or doing?
0: I think in the real world, they need to make connections with people around them that have connections to the players they're looking for. Like I said before, looking at those athletic directors, looking at those church directors, because they they have the people that you're looking for. They have the students who would play in club. But for social media sake, you have to think about what does the Player want. You could want to teach something. You might want to teach how to, I don't know, how to set, but it's a player looking how to set. You need to look at what they want to know and give that to them. Mm -hmm. Um, A a lot of the times we have a plan in our mind of how we think our coaching is going to go or how we think things are supposed to go, and it doesn't go like that. So talking to your players and saying, or the players you have existing, what would you want me to work with you on? And taking that feedback and giving that, giving that lesson and then stacking on a new piece of information. Okay, we need to review overhand serving. And then we're going to start talking about the float serve. Okay, we're going to talk about the float serve. Okay, let's talk about the footwork to jump serve. Okay, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a building blocks of tools. And players are so easy to overwhelm. So keep that in mind when you think about progressing skills too quickly, because when you're trying something new, you can't just go and bake a cake with no instructions. You need to, you need to start at the beginning, you know? So just remember that players can get overwhelmed quickly and to be kind and be understanding of where they're coming from um, and having that open level of communication, opening that channel of communication can do wonders, wonders. I wish that, I mean, I had a communicative coach, but I wish that more coaches were would go to their players and say, "How do you feel today?
1: What's mm. going
0: on? How was school today? You look upset. Talk to me. Right. This is a safe space." You know, so asking your players what they need to know, what what they want to know, and using that to create content around your club. I like that. That's so a lot more, more. more
1: it sounds like to to, to summit. To sum it up a little bit, sounds like more finding out what your players want to know and what the people in your community, organization, future organization would want Mm -hmm. to know and posting more about that or more how you teach it instead of just views of you doing it. And I think when I started my business, it was just kind of pictures of people playing and our Instagram, it's stagnant forever. As soon as we started giving useful advice on our social media stuff, that's when followings came. People started sharing. Like no one's going to really share a picture of a bunch of people playing. No. Right? So that won't actually help you grow. But if it's a great piece of advice, all of a sudden that growth will then be shared. People will save it. The algorithm helps you and everything like that. So I I love that piece of advice. Just, I mean, you have to remember giving. that
0: social media is either entertainment or value. Mm. Which one are you going to be?
1: Right. I like that. And some, I
0: mean, I like to be entertaining. But...
1: I know. Right. That's something we're like so bad. Like, we're so not entertaining. We're just like you... teachers. I mean, <laughs>
0: You're entertaining right now. this all is a right. whole vibe.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate that's what
0: that. you gotta get you gotta get the person. That, you have to have be somebody that they just want to like I like that guy. he's funny. <laughs> you know Give it a way that you know just super casual super casual.
1: you got it. I'll be more casual from now on.
0: I mean you seem casual now so <laughs> all right
1: I'll, I'll continue being me then.
0: <laughs> yeah always that's what people want. People want you. They don't want Mark's representative.
1: They want Mark. Mm, I feel that. Coach Coco, thank you so much. It's so cool to get to meet somebody that I looked up to, somebody who built something <laughs> that I was just like, man, how did she do this? It would be so cool to be able to pick her brain and figure out what she did, how she grew such a massive audience, and and then you know how much you're helping players. It's not just entertainment. It's yeah, very yeah. entertaining, but you're also – teaching so you're giving yourself to the world which i think is something beautiful and not to be taken lightly so thank you for your channel and for all your education and for helping all of the players out there and you know thank you for providing inspiration for somebody like me seeing the way that you grow your channels and me saying like okay it's possible like greater things are possible you know so you did you did that in two ways you you've inspired a Creator, whatever I I can call myself. Yeah, you're creator. <laughs> and all of all of the players who follow you. So you know you're 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 touching on on more than one audience. And I just want to say from everybody and definitely from myself, thank you for doing everything you
0: do. Thank you. I appreciate that. It has been a long journey and a long road. I never thought that I would hit two hundred thousand subscribers. I swear I didn't. I really <laughs> didn't. And then you know I hit one hundred thousand, and then I got the plaque and. And then I had a party for it and now we're here. So I don't know what's from here, but all I know is I'm going to keep teaching y'all how to serve and we're going to keep going.
1: I love that. I love that. Do you have any parting advice for anyone in my or your audience before we sign off here?
0: I do. One thing that you should always remember is the growth mindset. Nobody is born with a specific set of skills. We all have to learn. And remember that comparison is the thief of joy. So don't compare yourself when you're trying out for your team or you're learning how to play beach volleyball for the first time. Don't look at other players and say, well, why does he? Why can he do it and I can't? You know, progress is not linear. You have to take your time because your journey is different than another person's journey. And with that growth mindset, you can do it.
1: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to do all of our sign-off stuff, but really appreciate you. Nice meeting you. And I hope we get to talk a lot in the future.
0: Yeah, just send me an email. I'm one email away.
1: Awesome. And for anybody who's trying to get in touch with Coach Cook. Coach Coco, um, or follow any of her accounts. Those are all linked in the show notes in the description. Go ahead, give it a click, give her a follow, give her a subscribe, and help our fantastic sport grow so that we can get it bigger and better than it. We already need it. Is. We need it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, Coach. You have a great night. Thank you for coming on. Bye bye. Guys, thank you so much for listening. That was a cool episode, and I know I kind of fanboyed out there uh, for a little bit, so (laughs) excuse that, but it was cool to see somebody so far ahead of me in their teaching game and in, you know, it's quasi-digital marketing slash social media, but there's so much to learn there, and it's crazy intimidating, and she has done... All of her channels with a ton of positivity and a ton of, I'm just going to teach this basic to get you from zero or just starting up to that intermediate level. And then I'm sure she can take you beyond that. She's got a number of levels on her website, which you can check out by clicking underneath the link. So go ahead and make sure that you give her a follow and a subscribe and check out her website. Uh, it's really cool stuff. From us here at Better at Beach, uh, like I said, we our camps are... Ready to rock. So, this fall and winter, and then going into the spring of 2023, we should have some openings. Uh, They are one of them is already sold out. That's sold out within two weeks. And the rest of them, there are no more than 20 spots left in each in any of our weeks. So, go ahead to betterbeach.com forward slash camps. Come hang out with us in Florida. If you want to book us for a clinic, if you want to bring us to your hometown, me, Brandon, any of our fantastic and growing coaching staff. Go to better at beach.com forward slash clinics. There is a form there that you can fill out. Just know all we need is a court that you can control, uh, whether it's permitted or or not, or it could be in your backyard. Just know that oh, we need a fixed court. We need a minimum of 12 players committed for the day. And for a one day clinic, which is three, two and a half hour sessions, we are currently, as of this time of building, currently charging 250 a person. So if you want to get us out there, uh, get all that stuff fixed up, then fill out that form. And let's rock and roll. It'll be cool to hang out with you for a weekend. Currently, our ultimate defender program better at beach.com forward slash ultimate defender is rocking. Remember, we have recorded courses which will show you a tutorial, give you the drills that you should do for that, and then move you progressively through techniques and strategies. So we have the recorded courses, and we also have our online coaching program, the complete player program, which means that you'll get all of the courses, and hands-on coaching, which means that once you do the drills from that course, you get to converse with us, send our coaches messages, post your videos of the drills so that we can help you fix your technique, take you to the next level. If you have any ideas for who we should have on the podcast or things that you want us to talk about, ideas that you want us to cover, one good way to uh, tell us about those is going to Volley Chat. On Facebook. It is the Better at Beach Volleyball official public Facebook group. We have a ton of people in there asking rules and technique questions and getting quick answers. The conversations are in depth, and we have AVP, FIVB referees, players, and coaches. So you're getting great answers in there, and we keep a very close eye on that group. So if you want us to cover a certain topic in a video or on a podcast, go ahead and post in there. Also, if you want to check anything out, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me at Burick, M-A-R-K-B-U-R-I-K or our Instagram, our company Instagram channel, Better at Beach Volleyball. Would love to hear from you. Coaches, always, always, always reach out whatever you're thinking, whatever trouble you're having love coaches so come and ask me message me if you're having a problem if you have an idea if you're stuck or wondering what you should do uh, to design a practice to figure out what drills you can do or how to teach x we are starting coaching clinics this year but before we start those coaching clinics i'm just happy to help so reach out anytime you want all right That is all from us. This is my third episode of the day, but for you, it comes out once a week. I am, I'll tell you what, I'm fired up after talking to three cool people today. So uh, this was a really good day for me, and I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode and all of our episodes. If you like it, go ahead and subscribe, share it, share it with somebody who you know wants to hear about more volleyball stuff from me and all the gang at better at beach see you later see you on the sand bye-bye